Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. I'm Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm looking at ordering a dick bun. Um, you can get that at the riderstore.ca, actually. I tweeted about that, at RealAlexD. You can uh, find that there. It's, it's quite the product, actually. Who, who approved that? It has a tip. So it, it legit has a tip. It is phallic. And it's got and the that little, was a mistake. And Steve pointed out before we started recording that uh, it has a little Prince Albert on there. So I guess it's uh, just going up a little bit north there in Saskatchewan. So it kind of makes sense, actually, when you think about it. They are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You got to get Prince Albert in there somehow. In a can? Uh, this is going off the rails way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be that that kind of episode, isn't it? Twitter seventeen counts. listeners Twitter have counts. already turned turned off. My kids have no idea what we're talking about. It's okay, and I don't uh, have seventeen of them. Well, give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. I'm at Real Alex D. I'm at Safamod, and I still don't want your Twitter uh, your pity follows at Greg on Sports. You almost forgot your line. There. I was I almost forgot the shtick. It's been so long <laughs> since I did the shtick. We'll write week, that down dude. for you. This is literally the week. shortest time between episodes since November. I didn't do it last week until the end of the episode because we almost missed the shtick. Piffles Sorry, Podcast. I, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Uh, maybe we should try and talk some football here. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Ugh. <laughs> still funny can you leave that in there years, greg yeah yeah keep your voice over in there <laughs> yeah do, do that instead of the actual cut over just this episode <laughs> all right um we got a lot of off the field stuff to, to talk about this week we actually have some on the field stuff to talk about we're going to actually take a look a little bit at the preseason game coming up which is later this week it's finally game week for the riders we saw one earlier this week on Monday, on holiday Monday between Calgary and Edmonton. We'll talk about that just briefly in a little bit. Not about the game itself, because it was a shame both of them didn't lose, um, but about the streaming side of it, which was great. So we'll talk about that. Um, but focusing on the in on the riders, what's everybody talking about? It's the O-line. It's the O-line. It's the O-line. It sure looks to me like it's going to be a Gerald Hawkins, Philip Blake, Peter Godber, Logan Furland, or Evan Johnson and Eric Lofton starting unit. So that's what it seems to have been all the way through camp here. And I think that's what we're going to see in the first, probably first half of this uh, first preseason game. It seems to me like we already have this O-line kind of locked up. So going into a preseason game, what do you guys think of having all those spots kind of, you know, that's it. 
it's definitely better than having a giant question mark. At least it looks like they have a plan in place. Um, not going to lie, that Berlin or Johnson coin flip kind of scares me. I know which way I lean on it. But, hey, I'm glad they found two Americans that can play the outside so far. Anyways, we'll see what happens once the lights are on. What I really hope to see, not just on the first preseason game, but coming into the first couple games of the year, is for them to just stick with a unit and go with it. To not be bouncing, to drop guys at the first sign of failure. Stick with a couple of, with a group of guys that you have some faith in, and let's go there. Let's give them a shot to actually mesh, because that's what you need from an O-line with you know, four new guys on a unit, basically. You, you need to give them time to mesh together. It's amazing. The only the only carryover from last year is either going to be Evan Johnson or Logan Ferlin. Just mind blowing. Four brand new starters. Um, so it's and and kind of getting to Steve's point about continuity. It's always been said, O line, you need continuity. It's just the same as the defensive backs. Like you need a group that's been together for a while who knows what the other guy is doing. You can't just rely on it. You have to know about it. You have to work together on that. And that's stuff that you get in games. You don't just get that in practice. So, like, look at the the Riders two th- early two thousands with the defensive backs. Who was it? Ladolphus McCalla, uh, Omar Morgan, um, Darnell Edwards, uh, Davin Bush for a little bit. Um, but like Eddie Davis, yeah. Like there there was a group of three or four of them that were constants for years and years and years. And that's why that secondary was so good. Hopefully we get this out of the O-line because, like you said, Steve, you can't just be bouncing guys back and forth, especially early in the season. Like, this isn't well, a Chris Jones team right now where you just find – you keep going until you find five guys. No, that's not how this is going to work. Like, you need to have a plan. It appears they have that and just go with it. If one guy can't cut it, then obviously, yes, you get rid of him and you try something new. But to have this plan in place, I like it. Well, look at the old line, like between like 2007 and 2013, you you always had plenty of carryover between there. You had a, a an anchor in, in spots, and that's why we had some of the best years the Riders ever seen. Your old line does need to be able to play off each other. Right now, compared to last year, I like this a lot better. But yeah, there's a lot of question marks, and the fact that either your youngest offensive lineman or your most spotty offensive lineman are the only carryover from last year. Kind of kind of freaky, but I, I think we'll be okay. What I really want to see out of this O-line throughout the entire season is just bring the nasty. This they, they haven't been a nasty O-line in quite a few years. You go back to I'm I guess you know the 2013 team where there was Dominic Picard and uh um Chris Best was still on that team, I believe. Um but like he was getting into that nasty stage of his career too. Like they need to get guys that are playing close to the line. Don't cross it. Um, You know, almost like a Garrett Marino ish style on the O line, but don't cross that line, right? Like play to that line and never cross it. If they can get back to that with some mean dudes and, and just, Oh, that's what I want to see is guys just go out there and just dominate from day one. Dominic Picard is probably the epitome of a guy that you hate to play against, but a guy you want on your team. Like the dude was nasty, but God, you loved him when he was on your team. 
And but yeah, he didn't get caught doing a lot, but everyone knew his reputation. So we'll see how this O line uh, progresses going into this uh, to this first preseason game. Um, it's not going to be with Trevor Harris, but we'll talk about that preseason game a little bit more going on. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of what Craig Dickinson has said over the last little bit. And there's one thing that really got to me after all the cuts came out from from rookie camp going into regular camp. And that was Craig Dickinson saying camps for rookies aren't long enough. It's not fair to them. And I agree with that because in the CFL, you only have two preseason games. There is no OTAs. Like right now in the NFL, it's OTAs. Rookies are getting in work. They've already had their rookie camps in the NFL. They're still two months away from training camps and preseason games. Like the, the rookies are getting time and you can start to see who can cut it, who can't. And He's fair. He, Craig Dickinson's right for, for rookies here in the CFL. It's not fair because you get basically three days against other rookies and then you're thrust in with all the veterans and chances are all those vets are uh, penciled in as starters anyway. So you're fighting for maybe a practice roster spot. He's not wrong. He's legit not wrong. It is a steep curve for rookies to come in this league and learn the game on the fly, but I don't see it changing as long as the CFLPA has anything to say about it because the people that are part of the union aren't going to say, yeah, let these other guys come in and take our jobs. I I don't know the way around it. There's going to have to be a lot more money involved in order for that to change. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. I think you said it exactly right. It's, it's a money thing. We can't afford to do it the way the NFL does it. They're a, they're a billion dollar industry. It's it sucks for the guys trying to crack rosters when you're right. They get a couple of weeks to show their skill at at the absolute best to to kind of take over a, a small handful of spots. But what's the fix? How do you get around that? What is there anything there you can do to make it better? I don't know what the answer is. Is it uh, a third preseason game? Is it having a, a week of OTAs or something before uh, rookie camps or, or something like with rookie camps, you're bringing in guys that you just drafted literally half a week ago. So you don't even have your whole list of guys, you know, ready to go. I I don't know when it happens. Then again, the writers did uh, a informal workout just to players themselves and look how that turned out. Yeah. Never again will that happen. Okay, uh, speaking of rookies, uh, do you guys have any more guesses for rookie standouts? You got another week here to uh, um, both of you guys were dead wrong. Both you guys, I, I, I was the first one wrong. We got cut. You didn't even make the, the episode pool. getting posted. I, I, I won the I, I won. I mean, that means I won the pool, right? That That's what we were trying for. Uh, that's the way I, that's sure. the way I remember it. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, who who did Alex pick so I can make sure he gets cut next uh, this uh, tomorrow? Who did I pick? That's a great question. I know I know it wasn't the real McCoy. No, no, no that was me. He, he he barely got another night. Oh no, it was uh, um, it was a uh, Colby Harville Peel. That's right. You, you, you took a hyphen. You took a hyphen. Right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. 
Uh, I actually, I would like to say De- uh, Deontay Williams, double zero, is somehow going to survive. I'm going to go with Jake. Oh, I'm going to go with Jake Herslow, which which is a really awkward name for a receiver. You never want to hear slow in the in the guy's name, but he he seems to be turning heads at camp this week. Uh, Jake Herslow, who got cut, Steve. Yeah, that guy. Well, I'm just getting ahead of the game. They brought what in Randy Satterfield. They, they brought in Randy Satterfield. Yeah, Satterfield. Yeah, Satterfield came in, and apparently he's yeah, turning heads. That. I missed that one entirely. I uh, <laughs> wow, I'm getting guys cut before they're in advance of recording. That's that's great. See, if I, I would have played took, game theory, I would took I should have took Riley Schick because he's a territorial junior, and technically he won't get cut anyway. It's what I should have done. You know what? That just speaks more to Craig Dickinson's point, where these guys don't get enough time to really show what they have. And geez. A guy was cut three days ago, and another guy was brought in. Like, that's just—it's the unfortunate reality of of CFL training camps for, especially for American players coming in. Well, yeah, it, it sucks when you see a team like BC cutting uh, that youngster, uh, Sean Lemon. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say bring his put his mo- uh, his name in my mouth. Oh yeah, he's coming after you again. Yeah, God bless. God bless. Um, one other thing that Craig Dickinson said that has me interested is uh, something I was harping on big time last year, and I'm going to harp on it this year until things actually change. But he says that the team's going to be more disciplined. Their penalties will be reduced. They're going to be a much more disciplined team from the top down. Uh, Craig, sounds great in theory. I hope you're right. I don't think you can be any more penalized than you were last year. Um, prove it. This is this is a show me year for Craig Dickinson, and he needs to uh, he needs to find the growth in himself to become a t- true leader. And if you're going to talk the talk here and say that we're going to be more disciplined, we're going to have penalties reduced, you better walk the walk. And to me, it has to start in the preseason game. I don't care about wins or losses in the preseason. Uh, you're going to find guys lining up offside, not being in right assignments and everything. That's that happens every preseason. But if a guy messes up to the point where he shouldn't be playing, you got to pull him. And that's how you fix mistakes is you have to cut players playing time. That's how it happens. So until he actually starts doing that, I personally don't believe him when he says that. Here's my problem. How badly last year went for penalties. It's really not a very high bar to say that we're going to be more disciplined. I, I don't think they have to do anything to be more disciplined than they were last year. Here's my problem, though. Once bitten, twice shy, Craig. We heard this last year, and it tur- and according to several players, you said one thing to the media and one thing behind the scenes. So he needs to start backing up in that locker room and basically showing the guys wh- what's what because we we all heard the same things last year, and then you had guys coming out on Twitter saying, telling, basically saying that Dickinson was telling the guys the other things in the locker room. So. His job's on the line. I hope he's serious this year. And I wonder if that's going to make him, you know, actually, I don't want to say act out more, but just, you know, walk the walk a bit more, I guess, is the fact that it is a contract year. And I mean, if I were the coach, I wouldn't want to take the fall for the players. Right. So I hope Craig doesn't for his sake, 
because uh, if he does take the fall, that's going to happen pretty damn fast in the season, and he's not going to last till Labor Day. I don't know who's going. Who are they going to replace him with? In house, you go Shivers. Yeah, there's no Shiver. question. In house. Well, that's a big swing. Don't get me wrong. That's a big swing. I'm not saying Shivers can't. That's a big swing, though. Like if they if they would have landed Kahari or some other established uh, offensive coordinator that they were trying to get, and there's probably a reason why they never came here. Yeah, I think the rope on uh, Craig is a lot shorter than it is now. But I like I don't know. You guys saw what I picked the riders do this year. I I've got high hopes, but at the same time, I don't know. Like I've heard this all the same story song and dance from Craig before. I just I'm scared it's not gonna happen. Uh hell let Naaman Roosevelt be the coach. Ryder Nation would absolutely love that without question. We get a good we might get diss tracks going into games. Maybe, maybe. I'm all for That'd it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Bombers diss track going in business first. Bombers diss track going into Labor Day. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um Moving on to a different Craig, Craig Reynolds, the state of the franchise uh, was this past Saturday in Saskatoon for the green and white game. And it was most of it's the same old, same old. Um, but there's a couple of really interesting things that Craig Reynolds said that um, kind of stuck out to me. And one was uh, the price drop for 9,000 of the seats in the stadium, um, which is good because you just, you have to get people in the stands. But it doesn't appear to be working, at least not yet, because when you look at what's available for the home opener right now, it looks like literally half the stadium. And that makes me question how many season ticket holders have they actually lost in the last couple of years, last year to this year with the Grey Cup year, you know, and a a poor record in that Grey Cup year, how many people just walked away from the team? And that worries me when you look on Ticketmaster and there's probably 16,000 tickets available for the home opener. I know we're still close to a month away from that. And they've done some good things with trying to get lower ticket prices, family packs, all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't seem to be working. Does that worry you guys at all? This is a situation of way too little too late. This is what happens when you milk the fans for every dollar you can get for the better part of 20 years, expecting them to constantly come back year after year. Eventually, that dam is going to break. And last year, when you go into a season like last year with Grey Cup aspirations and you miss the playoffs and and do it in piss-poor fashion to boot, I, I I'm not shocked at this at all. Worried? Absolutely. You're seeing now the team start to make a, an actual honest effort at marketing. We saw that ad that they put out last week, um, you know, dropping ticket prices, concessions, all that stuff that they're trying to do is great. But these are things that they should have been doing all along because they've alienated people with the high prices. I'm, I don't think we'll see a sellout this year, Labor Day included. We are 223 episodes in of the Piffles podcast. And even before I joined, that has always been something that has been pointed out by this show, is that the riders are not listening to the fans. You can only do so much. So it only took them, what, six years <laughs> to, to kind of understand what's going on here? 
Like, this is ridiculous. And yeah, it probably is too little too late. COVID happened, inflation happened. People are getting hammered left and right when it comes to charges and upsells and all this other stuff. So yeah, they've, they've almost priced themselves out of the market. Like we joined the show before we came in. This is where Dick Bun came from is we were looking at the Ryder store and we were comparing it to other CFL stores. The Riders are legit selling a women's hoodie zip up for $30 more than both the Argos and the Bombers are. Like Ryder fans aren't dumb. They can see this. They can check what other people are doing. Like, yeah, it's it's nice that you're lowering 9,000 seats. They're probably your slowest selling seats. And yes, the $5 um, menu item, whatever that's going to be, is going to be nice. I, 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 I'm I sure I'm going to enjoy my small drink. But it's at this point, it's too little late. You need to start bringing fans back to the stadium. And I don't know if this is going to do it. Okay, so you mentioned that five dollar menu, and from what it sounds like, and this is what Craig Reynolds said, it's they're they're just about ready to announce it. Um, it's going to be apparently like a rotating item every game. So I think maybe you know the preseason game, maybe it'll be a five dollar hot dog, and home opener five dollar hamburger, whatever it is. I don't know. That's not going to do it for me. Like, sure, maybe I'll actually go and have the hot dog or the hamburger for five bucks, but it should be an actual menu that you can get for $5 each. So you can get a meal for 15 bucks, let's say a combo, a burger, fries and drink for $15. Cause right now you can't get that for that price at Mosaic stadium. If you can do that on a $5 menu, all of a sudden your family of four that you paid, let's say you bought the family tickets, uh, the family pack for 99 bucks, you're paying hundred bucks for four tickets. And all of a sudden, okay, maybe it only costs, you know, 35, $40 to feed my kids and, and my family. So that's not too bad where right now you're probably paying almost a hundred bucks just in food, just to keep your kids happy. Like I've known we've brought this up before, like the Atlanta Falcons and Mercedes Benz stadiums, they have specific locations where a hot dog is a dollar 50 pretzels are four fifty, beer is seven fifty. waffle ice cream, waffle cones are four fifty. Like they have affordable items. The fact that, like it's nothing for me to go and blow forty dollars just to feed my kids, not even me. That's not including my beer bill. Like just on like and my kids can't eat that much because they're gluten free. So I can get like an order of fries and a pop. And I'm almost spending forty dollars on that. It's ridiculous. It amazes me in every situation that this team and and the city and real and all of that put the fans through the idea that you're you're expecting to spend a hundred plus dollars to feed your family to go to a football game in this day and age is insane we're seeing in places all over the the sports world that are dropping their prices and it's getting people to spend more it is physically profiting teams and buildings to lower their prices i haven't bought food at the stadium in i don't even know how long and I have no intentions of it this year. But with a $5 item, if I don't know what it is in advance, I'm not even going to go looking for it. And if it's rotating, you know, what if I like that hot dog and drink combo I had last week? Well, all of a sudden it's twice as much. Nope, not going to do it. It just poorly thought out again. Effort appreciated, but if you're going to do it, do it right. 
No, in in Craig Reynolds' defense and the Riders' defense, uh, they haven't officially announced it yet. So maybe they were doing some tweaks on it. We don't know. So we can give them the benefit of the doubt for now on that, just to see how it works out. Um, hopefully, there's more than one location in the stadium for it, not just somewhere you know over by Pill Country or something. Uh, or doesn't matter where it is, but just one location because if you have to walk all the way across, is it really worth it to get into a big ass line just to save a couple dollars and miss how much of the game you're going to have to miss with the lineups? So they got to have multiple spots. Like you said, Steve, if they're going to do it, do it right. So have multiple spots, have multiple items, make it accessible for everybody. You can still have your $25 poutine and beer combo. You can still have, you know, your. $18 plate of nachos like there's still the market for that but you got to have the market for people that can't or don't want to spend that much on on something there you got to have something a $4 order of fries perfect I'll buy that I'm not going to pay $9 for it but I'll pay $4 for it and that's where they kind of screwed up when they did the stadium they leased out all those locations to local businesses which is great because that gives you a local flavor but you're having a local business pay a premium for three hours, four hours on one night a week. And they need to make their money back too. So what they should have done is you can still have your local flavor. You can still have your boutique vendors, but the team slash real should have took some on their own going, we're doing hot dogs at $4. We're doing burgers at this. We're doing this. And those prices stay static. And yes, will they be busy? Will you be drawn off the local? Probably, but at least you're still allowing that local flavor around. Because Lord knows, I walk all the way across the stadium just so I can get a craft beer because that's what I want. I'm not going to be drinking because I'm a beer snob. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be drinking your local, your usual Molson products. I'm going to go get my Churchill. I'm going to go get my Rebellion. I'm going to go get my multinational, whatever they got across the stadium because that's what I want. I will go find what I want. But at the same time, I will want to save money on a order of fries because there's no sense me paying 20 bucks for it. When you look at what other teams, even here in, in Canada, are doing, I think Hamilton's doing it. BC was doing it. Uh, happy hour, the hour before the game. Maybe you do that in the party in the park right behind the behind the stadium there. Maybe that's where you do for, you know, one hour only or half an hour only, whatever you want to do. Five dollar beers. And have cheap hot dogs have people eat there that's fine because if you start filling up on five dollar beers you're probably going to have multiple of them and then at that point you're probably going to be like yeah okay i'll spend the premium on getting you know my 18 dollar plate of nachos because i saved so much money on beer right like you're still going to make some money that way i'm going to say a three-foot hot dog it seems like a much better financial decision six beers deep Six beers deep, this, you'll go into the writer store and buy a dick bun for $23. <laughs> so is that the episode title this year? Or this dick week? Bun. Dick it bun. Yeah. <laughs> but it does overall, it does, it does feel like the riders are starting to make that switch. They're finally realizing that they have priced themselves out of the market. They're finally starting to listen to fans. Um affordability accessibility to the team all that kind of stuff it feels like there is that i mean obviously it's going to come in gradual stages it's not all going to happen overnight um 
it's a shame that it took a mass exodus of season ticket holders to basically have the team realize this. I know Craig Reynolds being a, you know, a numbers guy, being an accountant, he sees that money and his job is to make the team money. If he's not making money, something has to change. And it looks like they're finally forcing themselves to go out of their comfort zone and doing, you know, whatever it takes to get people in, involved in coming to games again. And I know for ticket prices, you don't want to devalue your product. You don't want to do that. But at the same time, how much longer can you afford to lose fans? Do you have a game day walk-up special every once in a while? That it doesn't happen every game because people will wait for it. But just two hours before the game, you realize that there's still 10,000 tickets available. 20 bucks. Get in the door. Just get in here. Do you do something like that? Do you do like a college rush type thing that we see in, in hockey arenas where it's, you know, 20 bucks and then you just go run and it's standing room only in a certain spot? Like, do you do something like that? Like, there's got to be something that the team can do just to get people in the stadium because they have to. Ultimately, it comes down to winning. When the team is winning, people will go and people will spend money on the product. That's a proven fact. But if your team's well, not winning then you got to do something to just get people in the doors. And I know you don't want to paper the paper the place and give away free tickets. And, and I get that, especially when, why am I paying, you know, $90 or a hundred dollars for a, a ticket in the gold section when the guy next to me got his for 30 bucks, but get people in the door. That's the bottom line. And that's where they kind of caught lightning in the bottle in 2007, basically. They dropped the blackouts. The team was winning, and the games were fun again. People saw it on TV. They wanted to come. Next thing you know, every game's a sellout. Like th- there has to be a way to ca- capture that again. But once again, the team needs to be winning. The team needs to be fun to watch. The team sucks. It doesn't matter what you roll out for marketing. It's not going to work. So hopefully they've uh, kind of starting to figure it out and we'll see more and more people. But like I said, looking at that Ticketmaster map for game one of the regular season, it uh, doesn't really look too good. Granted, they're still three weeks away and, and the casual fans really don't start tuning in until after the preseason games are played. That's still got to be a little bit worrisome for the team there because they're putting in a lot of ads everywhere. Um, doing commercials, doing social media posts and all that. They're putting a lot of resources into making it work. So hopefully for their sake, they are going to make it work. And people go out and do support this team because if they start out with a couple wins right off the bat, things are starting to look really good again. But if they start out with a couple losses, yikes, yikes. It get ugly real fast. Well, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Roy LePage Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Company, Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Um, talking about preseason. Well, let's talk about the Edmonton on Calgary preseason game because we actually got to watch it. It was being streamed. Uh, the CFL doing their CFL Plus thing, CFL preseason live. Oh, plus. Uh, I thought it was plus. I thought it was plus. Oh, sorry. That's, plus. Is it plus? Oh, okay. It is plus? Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, the preseason game was streamed. Um, so I, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I did watch it on my phone and I thought the presentation was really well done. It had the local broadcasters from Calgary calling the game. So you had the radio play by play kind of sucked to have the commercials in there, but 
that's just me being nitpicking. Um, but I thought it was really well done. And in this day and age, we should have every game at least available to be streamed like that. And they figured it out. Um, it's a shame they couldn't have announced it beforehand when they and when they did and took a lot of flack going into it. But I thought the presentation itself was really good. What did you guys think of that? I think we're, we were all on the record when we said there has to be a way to do this. Um, in typical CFL fashion, they kind of just rolled out late going, surprise! Um, no, I, I'm happy for it. The only downside I can see is more Michael Ball coverage, but uh, that is, that's the only downside I can see of it. It, it. The CFL needs to be out there. And the fact that they can do this and they found a way to make it work and keep it, I guess, cost-effective because all the games are being recorded anyway. And this is a good way to be able to broadcast the games internationally and still kind of play with the TSN rights somehow. Uh, well, I'm just glad they figured out a way to do it. This is a great thing for the league. There's no question about it. It when it came across well, you know, you have to, t- when you tune in, you have to realize you're listening to a, a radio broadcast and that takes some getting used to, because there's a pretty big difference between, watching a game on TV versus listening on the radio. You know, you don't need to know the lineup when you're watching it. But for it's for a first go, for a first run at it, I really liked it. I thought it was well put together and it's going to get eyeballs on the league. And that is what they need to do. I don't care how they do it. There is no such thing as bad publicity. There's no such thing as bad viewership. You get eyes on the league. Maybe they don't watch every game. But if you get a couple of folks every now and again who fall in love with it, it takes off from there. It's that's how you get it to spiral. You know, we see a bunch of fans on Twitter from the from the U.S. who push the league to everybody they know, but they had no way of really tuning in. Now they do, and that's how you get this league to grow, both north of the border, south of the border, and all over the world. Eyeballs on the league get the product out there. You know, we've said it before. It's 15 years too late you know just like the riders they're doing it too little too late but they're doing it and i'm not gonna not gonna hate them for uh, for doing it late i did write down welcome to 2001 cfl uh i looked it up very first uh sports streaming was uh 2001 ohio state uh football did their spring football game on real player wow yeah Real video on real player. I don't even know. I want to ask what grade you guys were in. Uh, 2001, I would have been, I would have been grade nine. You would have been in grade 12. Second year U of R, baby. You guys are old. My God. <laughs> um, it's just sad that it took till 2023 for them to get some sort of streaming service for preseason. Like, I mean, I know they've had, TSN's had TSN go for a little while here, but like, how was this not done 10 years ago? I just don't know how they couldn't have done that earlier. But 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 this is what we just talked about a couple of weeks ago is the technology is there. TSN has shown them the way with the way they do the CEBL and uh the NL NLL. Like there there are ways to do this. Um it's just ridiculous that TSN is not picking up all the games, but I digress. That's at least the at least they found a way to put it up. That's all that matters. Okay, uh, Greg, you are our resident logo snob and more. 
this yeah. is your time to shine shine here on the show because uh, that's really all we keep you around for. Um, the it's Argos, about time. <laughs> the Argos released their new uniforms for the anniversary for the 150th anniversary of the uh, the Toronto Rowing Club, the uh, the Argonauts. Um, released their new jerseys. Cambridge blue, Columbia blue. That's not Cambridge. Columbia blue, sorry, Columbia. No, blue. That's that, that's what they call Cambridge, but it's not actually Cambridge oh, blue. There's light that blue is... and there's dark blue. Jeez, there's there's no no no, no 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 okay. no no no. It's no. They call it they call it Cambridge. There's Oxford and Cambridge. That's what they call it. But the fact remains, they changed the color a couple of years ago. Cambridge is actually closer to teal, and then they changed it to that powder blue. It's actually Columbia. It is legit Columbia blue is the name of the color, but they still call it Cambridge, even though it's not. As as Living you got the you argument must be with awful, <laughs> light blue. Okay, it's light yeah. blue, powder blue, so, whatever. Yeah, because okay, I don't you, even go light like, blue. It's blue. That's as much as you get out of me. It's blue. Okay, here, here's the thing. My my kids asked me what my favorite color was once, and I'm like, as a graphic designer, you can't ask me that because it's going to go into a long conversation that you will never understand. And it's true because uh, there's many different colors, but I digress. So they went with the light. They went with the light blue. They, they're what they call Cambridge to make Adam happy, even though it's Hold not on. Cambridge. Greg, Greg, you were the kid in in school that had that sixty four pack of crayons, right? With all the different colors. I was the kid with eight. I feel that's what that's that, that's the difference between you, us. You you do not you do not know the joy of Roan Red. Okay. Well. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. You guys had crayons. <laughs> Steve, Steve had a stick in the mud. <laughs> um. Anyway, no, they went with the light. They went with the their, what they're calling Cambridge, and it's I I I don't hate it. I don't. I I would prefer a uh, the light blue helmet. They came the Cambridge helmet with the dark blue jersey and the light blue pants. I think that would look a lot better. I'm not a big fan of the monochrome look. I know the riders do it. I still don't like it. Um, I do like some of the details they did, like the the wave pattern in the jersey. That's that's a, a nice touch. It's something that only people that buy the jersey are going to notice. Uh, but uh, And that is the only wave that should be allowed in the CFL stadium. I've said that already on Twitter. Um, the or stripe that is a very uh creative way to do a pants stripe i like that the ors on the sleeve um that is very oregon ducks i don't hate it but i saw it and immediately i thought oh good they they bore the or oregon ducks look but apparently each or stands for a player on the field because there's six on each shoulder so sure um my only the only thing is they lost the uh Oxford blue, the dark blue, if you will. Uh, they're now the single blues, not the double blues. Um, but it, it's nice. It's uh, it solves one problem with their helmet, but it added a bunch of other problems. But I think they look nice, and they're going to sell a ton of them to the ten fans they have. Ah, what do you guys got? I hope they sell a whole bunch of it. I think, uh, generally speaking, they look good. Like. Like you said, I, I mean, I don't get too heavy into details. Um, I do like the oars on the going back to their rowing club roots. I like that touch. Um, I don't like the blue jersey, blue pant, white jersey, white pant. Like you said, like I that come on, you can do white jersey, blue pants. You can do blue jersey, white pants. That looks a lot better. 
Well, what, like I told you before we went on the air, I'm really surprised they didn't pull a BC Lions because BC technically doesn't have a white away jersey. They it's just have fog. a, it's fog. It's, it's gray. Fog. It's dirty. It's dish, it's dish water. But I'm surprised the Argos did not go with a Oxford home, Cambridge, air quote, away. That, that light blue could, could play in Winnipeg. It can play anywhere. There's no other team that's close to it. So, why not embrace the double blue? Be the double blue. Um, but I don't hate it. It's it's a good update, solid update, better than anything they've done in years. I I, I like it a lot. It's better than the the shirt jersey they had with just our, with Toronto on the front. So I mean it it's a jersey. I I think it looks clean. It looks slick. I don't hate it. That's about as much as you'll ever get a get out of me from a from a jersey redesign. I think I think it'll uh, I think it'll move well in the Toronto market. I think they'll uh, they'll like it. The reviews online, everybody talking about it has been mostly positive, which you almost never see these days. So that's a good sign there as well. I I gotta admit the unveiling underwater the way that started was pretty cool. I like the video that they did for it. I just hate that they only gave themselves like half an hour in between. Hey, we're doing something today. And then all of a sudden, boom, there was the video. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Like, cool. Well, they they semi-announced it a few weeks ago before the helmet came out, though. They they did say something was coming uh, May 23rd. And then they did the helmet. And then everyone kind of forgot they made a pre-announcement for May 23rd. But yeah, they just kind of just quickly dropped it. It's like, oh yeah, that was happening today. Yeah, it was like they realized, oh yeah, we have to put it out at 9 a.m. Eastern time, right on the nose. And then it was like 8.55 and they realized, oh yeah, we haven't scheduled our tweet to uh, tease it yet. So let's post that now. And then five minutes later, post the video. It just felt rushed. I felt they could have built up something throughout the day um, to release it at 12 o'clock Eastern time, whatever time doesn't matter what time what time they do it at i just wish they could have done that they should have done what the the cfl did a few years back with the schedule release and like demanded five thousand retweets before they were going to release it that kind of thing could be fun if done well and Uh, yes that's the the thing you have to do it right if you're going to do it and that could have been a good time for them to oh crap we forgot to release this well how are we going to do that Oh, I know. Let's let's play with a, you know, retweet battle and get something out there. Uh, yes, the same energy as someone trying to get free nuggets from Wendy's. Let's do that. <laughs> it worked, didn't it? Hey, didn't it worked it? for Carter. All right. Um, one other thing here before we start looking at that Riders BC Lions game um, is uh, th- this one bugs me. Okay. Our Lady Peace is going to play in Montreal for halftime at an Alouette's game. Um, First off, their Mosaic Stadium's house band, okay? That's the rule. I've never seen them play, so I couldn't tell you. I've never seen them play. The first two concerts here at Mosaic Stadium, or two of the first two of the three, or whatever it was, they opened. This is their time to shine. They should be here. Um, But anyway, Our Our Lady Peace playing in Montreal. Um, it's been hinted at and a big name's coming for the BC Lions home opener. Um, it's not the Trues. The Trues are doing the pregame party 
for the BC Lions, which is actually that's a good startup band right there. That's still a good that's get. A, that's a good get. That's a, yeah. that's a very good get. Actually, they could they could easily do any kind of halftime show in the CFL uh, during a regular season game. I think the Trues would be great for that. And the Riders are here with Kim Mitchell and Greg. You or sorry, Steve. You uh, you upset a lot of uh, uh, oh. Kim Mitchell fans uh, by this. I'm surprised any of them know how to use Twitter. Like, the problem is, you know, I have no issues with Kim Mitchell. Rock legend still puts on a decent show. He is a wild party. But he is the, right, like, he is the last guy you want to be bringing in if your goal is to put any additional butts in seats. And if you, and if you are, you're only going to be getting the 60 and up crowd. Maybe you're he's going to call Dalagala on stage. Go first, do whatever, go first soda with Dalagala. Like it just it and I I could put out the world's greatest tweet and get no reaction, but I put a tweet out slagging Tim Mitchell as a selection for halftime show, and I've been getting like snapped at all day. Now Our Lady Peace isn't much better if you're gonna get to the the next generation of fans. You know the twenty and under crowd isn't they're not caring about Our Lady Peace anymore. But the, the 25 to 45 crowd, my generation, our generation, grew up on Our Lady Peace. That's a, that's a good get to get that generation in the door. We saw last year in BC, the, the Lions brought in One Republic and nearly sold that place out. And people, I, I'm shocked people didn't, uh, you know, oh, well, it was the Nathan Rourke show. No, this was before they had any idea what they had with that lightning in a bottle in, uh, in Nathan Rourke. People went to go see the show. Is that common? No, you're not going to often get a lot of new seats halftime show. But the idea of this is to get some, any. And Kim Mitchell is not going to bring in anybody. Period. Like, I don't, and we've, we're seeing with the ticket sales. Place is half sold. Kim Mitchell is not a guy that's bringing people into the stadium. He's not a guy that's going to get the new fans into the building. And this is the problem time and time again. And we've, we've joked about who the writers were going to announce, you know, before the season started, and we'd have the same, you know, Jess Moskaluk and, you know, a couple country acts and Trooper. some old timer. And here we go. You know, they subbed out Trooper with Kim Mitchell. Although aren't they bringing in Trooper too? Like it just, probably, probably. it amazes me that they can't seem to grasp that a, a good name, especially right now when you need to get people back would be a great time to branch out and try and get that young crowd. Cause the young crowd right now is going out drinking. They're going out, having a good time, get them to mosaic stadium. That's how you grow this league. Kim Mitchell is not how you grow this league. Kim Mitchell is where this league goes to die. That was for you, Mark. You wanted the uh, uh, one of our followers, a bomber fan actually on Twitter, uh, wanted to hear a Kim Mitchell rant. So, Mark, that was that was for you. Oh, we're taking requests now. Well, not for you. Oh, damn it! Um, all right, back to uh, back to football on the field stuff. Uh, Riders of BC Lions. We finally have our first preseason game. Our first look at. The 2023 Riders, or at least some of the guys who will be on the Riders uh, 
this season. Um, like I've said many times before, I don't care about preseason games. It's a, it's a thing for coaches to evaluate talent, see who should get to the second preseason game and who could possibly, you know, win a, a roster spot. Right. So it is important. Don't get me wrong. I don't care if they win or lose. I just want to see guys go out there and bust their ass and, and try and go and earn a job. That's what I want to see. Um, but be, it's always nice to get back into the stadium after not being there for so long. Uh, after, especially this year, having such a long winter, it's going to be really nice getting out there on a Saturday evening, um, seeing the BC Lions. Um, it won't be their fog jerseys, though. It'll it'll be their their other ones. It'll be their orange ones. Um, so usually the riders wear white for their home or for their preseason games. So um, probably not going to get many starters. Um, Trevor Harris, not going to play in this one from the sounds of it. Um, I don't even know if he'll be back in the country by the time the game is played. Of course, he's going back home. Birth of a kid, birth of a child. Birth of right? a child. Yep. I think it's his fourth, third or fourth. Um, but uh, obviously, I mean, it's not like he needs a preseason game to get ready, but I would have liked to see him get in a little bit um, before the second preseason game anyway, just to, because it's a brand new team with a brand new offensive coordinator with a brand new you know offensive line all new receivers like it'll take a little while for this offense to start gelling um so it would have been nice to see him get some of those you know reps in game as opposed to just in training camp but he's a vet i'm not too worried about it um we'll break it down to into, into a couple sections here what are you guys looking for out of this game we'll start with offense I'm curious on how that running game is going to look. Everyone has high hopes for it, considering uh, Jeffries is now the offensive coordinator. You got Hickson back there. You got Morrow back there. Can they continue on what they did last year? Will this new offensive line open the holes those guys need and buy Trevor Harris the time he's going to want? So I'm really curious on seeing how that running game is going to be used. And yes, it's going to be very vanilla, but I want to see, are we going to be that, not run first team, but is there going to be a heavy emphasis on the run that we're all expecting it to be? I mean, for me, I, this is going to be a straight cop-out answer, but for me, I'm going to be staring at the O-line. I want to see what those those five guys can do uh, with their with their shot. Because this is a brand new unit across the board, with the exception of uh, Furlander Johnson. It'll take time for them to gel, but they need to come out of the gates hot. And it starts week one or preseason week one. I'll be looking right behind the O-line at the quarterback. Um, we know Trevor Harris is the guy and he's going to be for the next few years. I want to see somebody, anybody step up and win that backup job. From all accounts right now, Shea Patterson is the guy. He's probably going to be the backup. He's probably going to get the most reps in this first game anyway. Um, if the Riders can find a true number two quarterback and not like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Mason fine. There's nothing wrong with him, but I just don't think, think there's anything special with him. So he's Jake fine. Dolagala, yeah, he's fine. Um, Jake Dolagala, big arm. Um, still has, he's still a little bit green. Um, I think he's a project guy. I'd honestly rather keep him around than, than Mason fine. But if Shea Patterson 
It's the only other guy on the on the roster that has any kind of CFL experience uh, for quarterbacks. If he can go out there and and look good in the preseason, I'll be happy. And if he goes out and takes that job away, because honestly, I didn't think he'd make this roster. But from the sounds of it, he's probably going to be the guy. So I hope the quarterbacks go out there and perform well. Not necessarily throwing for touchdowns, but making the right reads, making quick reads, and just how they're able to see a defense and execute like you said, Greg, a very vanilla offense. If they can execute that and go out there and, and and perform, that's kind of what I'm looking for to see if they can do that. I remember when the Riders had their big uh, signing at Mosaic a few weeks back and Shea Patterson was announced as one of the guys that was, or was it, sorry, it was in Saskatoon, I think. Uh, and Shea Patterson was announced as one of the guys that was going to be doing signings. And we kind of laughed a little, like, really, the fifth string quarterback is a guy you're putting on these ads. But he's kind of moved his way up pretty quick. As if he comes out as the number two, Lord knows the best, uh, the most popular player in Saskatchewan is always number two quarterback. So maybe, uh, maybe the Riders were a little ahead of the game on, uh, on getting him out in front of the the public. So what's his chant going to be? We had Tino time. We had Free Willy. Shay Day. Shay Day. Shay Day. Play that Shay. I don't know. Um, okay, switching over to defense. What are you guys looking for out of the defense? I want to see what the, the linebacking group can do with uh, with Darnell Sankey heading heading south to the XFL and XFL champion, by the way. Kudos to him for uh, for winning that. Um, I, I'm curious to see what the unit does without him back there. You know, despite all of that massive speculation that he was going to be back up here for the the 2023 season. Oh, it'll it'll be it'll be the, tough the, to, the, yeah. one, the one tweet the one tweet <laughs> it, it'll be tough to move on if a guy that talented but uh let's see what this group can do uh i'm curious on see what that uh defensive line looks like obviously uh i was gonna say i was gonna say what micah tights is doing uh but steve took the linebacking core but i i that front seven is going to be epic on how this de- on how this defense does and how they stop the run is going to be huge i don't see a lot of running threats from bc this year so that first game is not going to show much but i want to know what the what what kind of pressure are they going to get are they going to make quarterbacks move around that that is what makes this defense usually good by forcing the quarterback into bad throws to that great defensive uh, backfield that we have so the one guy I'll be watching, and this is kind of piggybacking off of Steve here, is is a linebacker, but it's C.J. Revis. Uh, he'll be, uh, I mean, if Derek Moncrief isn't ready to go to start the season after having uh, off-season shoulder surgery, C.J. Revis is the guy that's going to take his spot in the starting lineup. So I'm going to be watching him in this preseason game at Sam linebacker. Uh, if he can cover some of those guys in the slot. Um, if they have another guy that can do that too, right? Like if he's another guy that can do that, all of a sudden your defense gets a little bit more uh, versatile. It's a little bit more dangerous because you can shuffle another guy around somewhere. And Jason Shivers is going to have so many different looks for opposing offenses this year. If you can have another guy that can, looks like he's lining up somewhere, but plays somewhere else and can drop back into coverage and can, can move around. The more guys that they have that can do that, 
the better for the entire defense, the better for the team. So I'm really curious if, if he can really handle himself, especially against the, the BC starters, that'll be a good thing. So, and then the third quarter is going to start and it's all just going to be boring as all hell because preseason CFL football. The only thing worse than preseason CFL football is uh, week three now, used to be week four of NFL preseason when it was all third and fourth stringers. That was the worst football of all time. So hopefully the second half isn't as bad as that. You can hope. But it will be nice to go out there and just enjoy a game and and honestly not care about wins or losses, just to, to go out there and just enjoy it for what it is. Um, and one other thing I'm looking for is we started the show talking about it is Craig Dickinson. Will he have command of that team? And I know there's going to be 75 guys dressed and that's going to be, I mean, that's a tough task to keep that many guys focused on what they're supposed to do and to command that many guys at once. But if Craig Dickinson can manage that, that's a good sign going forward. So I hope that, you know, there's no sideline antics. There's nothing going on out there. And he can actually control the game and maybe pay attention to how many timeouts he has uh, because he's never really been good at that. So if he can go out there and, and show growth in this preseason game over last year, just based on that, I'll be pretty happy about it. That'd be so nice if you can do that. You have a weird look on your face, Greg. No, sorry. I'm looking for a file that I just got an email on. Sorry, I'm, I'm multitasking right now. Uh, all right. Well, since you have better things to do, I guess I'm, I was, I was going to cut. I was going to cut that out anyway. No, sorry. You have better things to do, so we might as well just end it right there then. Okay, fine then. Be that way. <laughs> um, but I am looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of the fans out there uh, at the preseason game. So if you see any of us, come on out, say hi. Uh, be glad to talk some Rider football with you guys. So until next week, anyway. Um, stay away from me, you psychopaths. Yeah, does not want your pity. Uh, I I don't I don't want your pity conversations podcast. either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Piffles podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks go out to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind, Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your-